That one felt wrong. I might, I'm probably going to cut that one out. Probably. <laughs> probably for the best. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me graham James. and me ian harris that was very sensual you, you sounded like a late night radio dj <laughs> I, I was going full um peter serafanowitz in blackbook <laughs> hello fran fran um, so thanks for listening to our podcast this is <laughs> sorry continue yes this is a podcast where this we is a podcast. pick our top three lists of various topics i mean i and Go on. No, no, no. After you, I insist. <laughs> and and this week, um, we figured we'd try and be a bit topical. Today, we're recording this on the day that we are going into lockdown to... Electric Boogaloo. In the UK. Um, and so what better to talk about than sequels we wish didn't exist exactly we, we have all watched a sequel to a film and realized that the world would probably be a better place without it nobody wanted lockdown we wished lockdown 2 would not happen but now it's here and it's the same with uh all of these films which uh, we're going to talk about today Segway. yeah but no it, it was it was an interesting an interesting conversation because I, I think sequels are always a contentious one. Like everybody always assumes sequels are shit, reboots are shit, remakes are shit. It's just terrible. We should only ever have original cinema. And I don't necessarily think that's true. Like some sequels, some films like make you want to watch more. Some films clearly need a sequel. Like there's always a lot more to explore. And in the case of a lot of the choices today, sometimes there isn't. And I think, you know, there's certain genres that really lend themselves to it like fantasy like big fantasy epics apart from the hobby which did not need three films very but, close to like, being one of my choices today <laughs> that yeah apart from uh, a, a film like that like the lord of the rings the harry potter films like these big fantasy universes they really it makes sense um but then you have some films that we'll talk about today that just really really don't need them also, interestingly, I was looking, I was just, I was doing some general research trying to come up with, you know, what I wanted to include on this list. I don't think, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's not a direct sequel to, to the James Cameron movie, but there's a Titanic 2. So Titanic 2 is, it's an asylum movie. So do you know Asylum? Right. No. So Asylum or, a, uh, I'm not sure the correct word either studio production company or whatever their entire way of making films is tricking people into watching them so right. you will have uh that random noise in the background i might not be able to edit out is the noise of graham's new dog which seems to sound possessed <laughs> he uh he snores very very loudly nice nice and he farts a lot as oh, well classic a dog after my own heart uh, <laughs> i've completely forgot what i was talking about your dog has completely distracted me asylum asylum yeah so their entire kind of business plan is tricking people into watching their films so they will do like titanic 2 so people might think it's a sequel to titanic yeah they released a film called transmorphers <laughs> nice like it seems to be aimed at grandparents not 100 sure what film their kids want they'll accidentally get yeah. an asylum film yeah i mean titanic if there was an actual 
canon Titanic 2. That would 100% be on this list already. (laughs) (laughs) I'll preemptively put Avatar 2 and 3 on there as well. Isn't there about six of them? Oh, fuck knows. But when you invest that much money in fucking uh, computer infrastructure, I think you owe it to the economy to keep making films. Although I would argue that we didn't need the first film either because fuck Avatar. Uh, I mean, it was pretty. Like, it was... If it didn't become the highest grossing movie of all time for a while, I think people would look look a lot more fondly on it. It's... Yeah, but also they ride their horses the same way they fuck each other. Don't we all? And... (laughs) So on that note, um, every week we uh, we do a movie recommendation, and I think uh, this week uh, you've got one for us, Ian. Yeah. So in the spirit of uh, kind of sequels, I thought it'd be good to kind of recommend a sequel to people. But unlike a lot of the sequels we're talking about today, this one is not only very good, but is also kind of you know arguably completely needed, and that is Terminator Two. So Terminator Two is one of the kind of rare sequels that is definitely better than the first film it is a perfect continuation of the story it doesn't seem forced and it's just very 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 good i know some people like we said are kind of against sequels and whatever and you know power to you so i'll also recommend a film which is completely standalone and not part of a series at all so this is kind of a little lesser known film stars uh, academy award nominee uh, florence Pugh, and that is midsummer so the Ariadne kind of horror movie we talk a lot about horror movies today because obviously we're talking about unnecessary sequels <laughs> um, <laughs> but Midsummer, yeah so I'd strongly recommend Midsummer as well so Terminator 2 Midsummer podcast yes with those recommendations here are our movie sequels that we wish didn't happen in honour of Lockdown 2 enjoy yay for Lockdown and us being topical I like it My first movie I wish didn't have a sequel is um, Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity is... I think it's a great horror film. I think it got a bit of a mixed reception when it came out. um, And it seemed to be... It seemed to be between either, like... I'm spending a lot of time watching, like, an empty bed do nothing. Or, (laughs) actually, this is genuinely terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll alienate a load of listeners now and say I really don't like paranormal activity. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean I, I, it, I don't know I, I don't know if it's because I came to it late and it had been hyped up so much. And I'm ju- I, I'm just that kind of prick. Yeah. It definitely did suffer from the hype. It got so didn't much didn't seem to live up to yeah, it. It got it got so much hype. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I did watch it quite early, so perhaps didn't um yeah, didn't kind of succumb to that. You know, we've we've spoken about found footage movies before and I do think this is a case where it was it was done really quite well. I think the effects, like you say, the door opening and, and stuff like that, Ooh. they are quite subtle, but there is definitely an element of it making you feel quite uneasy watching it. It was shot on a tiny budget. It was $15,000 to shoot it. And then I, I, did, was, I, I didn't realize it was that low. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So that was the original. So the original shot of the film was $15,000. The guy that, that wrote it and directed it, Oren Pelly. I mean, he even shot it in his own house. So, you know, which is a, <laughs> which is a bit of a weird thing to do considering you're making a demonic haunting film, but you know, each to their own, if you want to save a few quid, but there was an extra 200 K um, invested in it to do a new ending. Um, so it turned out when the studio bought it, Steven Spielberg watched it 
and said he basically convinced them that it needed a different ending. So they spent 200k shooting that. But yeah, I think we mentioned it before when we spoke about when we spoke about Rex. Which was the ending? I can't actually remember which. I've seen I've seen both, and I haven't seen the film in so long. I can't remember which was the actual canon ending they went with. The theatrical ending was she kind of launches him at the camera, knocks it over, and then it says that he's is kind of I think writing on the screen that says he was his body was found like so many days later and she was nowhere to be seen. I think as well the way it was shot was just I don't know, I think because you you didn't have like well-known actors in it. They didn't even have the actors didn't even have scripts. It was all kind of these are guidelines how to behave, what to talk about, but it was all really improvised. And again, I felt that kind of lends itself to feeling like it's real found footage. You know, they didn't even have credits, opening or closing credits. So I think yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting the way it was done. I thought it was quite well paced. There were slow bits, there were elements where you are literally watching a bed it's obviously speeds up but through a whole evening and maybe the only thing is that the sheet lifts up but it builds and it builds until until the ending and you mentioned the ending and i guess the fact that like they said that she'd disappeared kind of left it open to potential sequel fodder yeah but i really feel like this was (laughs) this got sequels and it got a lot of sequels, and it was purely based on the money. It was what the studio saw the success of it. I mean, the film alone made $193 million globally. Did, did it beat Blair Witch in terms of kind of money back per dollar? That's, that's a very good question, and I'm not sure. But I know someone that could answer that question for us. Dad. <laughs> no. <laughs> or no, we future can- Ian. Future Ian, obviously Paranormal Activity had a great return on investment for how much they spent on it. But was it more return on investment per dollar than the Blair Witch Project. Greetings from the future. It is I, Future Ian, being really dramatic for no reason at all. So in terms of return of investment, Paranormal Activity beats out Blair Witch Project. Paranormal Activity, uh, for every dollar that you spent, you would have got back $199.85. Blair Witch Project, for every dollar spent, you would get back $138.70. Top of this list uh, that I found while doing my ardent future research is uh, 1980s Mad Max, where for every dollar you spent, you would have got back just over $248. That's US, not Australian. On the other side of the coin, the least uh, profitable film is Mars Needs Moms, where for every dollar spent, you only would have got back 15 cents. Back to you guys in the past. Thanks, Victoria. Uh, pleasure Sorry, as always. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but how many how many sequels are there of Paranormal Activity now? I, I've, uh, I've ever, it's ever the sequel se- game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ever, ever since we've moved away from having numbers in the name of films, I've completely lost track of everything. So we had Paranormal Activity 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yeah. Then we had The Marked Ones and Ghost Dimension, which sounds so shit. I haven't seen that one. So that's six. And there's a seventh movie in the works because obviously there is. Have they followed the the, late, the latest horror trend of the seventh one being actually the sequel to the first one? Probably. It's it's one of those like unnamed, unknown, unnamed sequels at the moment, but... Yeah, it's probably that. Or maybe it's like the first one, but from the demon's perspective. Oh, nice. I I would watch that, actually, to be fair. (laughs) Why do these pricks keep filming me? Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to do demon shit. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is workplace harassment, guys. <laughs> but yeah, look, it's fallen into the trap, and I'm sure we'll talk about this time and time again with some of these films today. But the sequels have basically, they've all got different directors, they've all got different writers, and really an example of just where the movie has the first movie has been a success and the studio has been like, okay, we're going to make more, not because there's more of a story to tell, but there's more money to go in our pockets. I think, yeah, you mentioned there's a shitload of sequels. Quality varies. I don't think there's anything good enough that really justifies them. From memory, I think Paranormal Activity 3 is probably the best of the sequels. I can't really remember a lot of what happened in the other two numbered ones and i haven't watched the named kind of spin-off ones because i think that it all starts going down like the route of like cults and witches and stuff which yeah i remember i i I, like you said they all blended to one i remember one that had like two prominently featured the xbox connect <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Uh, yeah, they they had because it, it was throwing dots around the room, and that's how you saw something moving through it. Right, I, I remember that. Don't remember how it was related to anything. Like I said, I remember someone randomly running outside, and they're like you said, being like a load of women. Yeah, but I think yeah. that was in number four, which set up the weird spinoff stuff. Yeah, but it's all a bit y- weird. Yeah, I don't know. As I say, I think it. I think as a standalone, it probably had enough, but. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of people at DreamWorks that are now very rich, probably. So interestingly, in talking about DreamWorks, the movie itself, so it was made for $15,000, as I mentioned, and the rights were bought, um, I think, from a film festival. And the original plan, so DreamWorks wanted to reshoot the whole thing with a bigger budget and like known actors. And the movie that was Paranormal Activity, although with a different ending, all it would have been was a DVD extra. Oh, wow. So, you know, you've, you've turned a DVD extra into $193 million. So I think whoever made that decision made the right decision. Well, I mean, if, if we're going Spielberg and DreamWorks, there's a good chance Tom <laughs> Hanks would have been in it. So maybe we have missed out. <laughs> Tom Hanks is the demon. Oh, uh, Tom, Tom Hanks is the guy who, like, cameo is the guy who installs the security cameras. <laughs> I've watched uh, Tom Hanks as a demon. Let's just yeah, talk about that for an hour. He's not He's not done enough um, supernatural stuff, has he? Well, at least not since, like, the 80s. Because I think no. he did a load of kind of, like, the burbs and stuff like that and those other things he did. I can't remember a lot of Tom Hanks. I remember that he hasn't really done a bad film, but I can't think of anything currently outside of Saving Private Ryan, and that is 100% <laughs> not paranormal. I guess I guess um, Big is kind of sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's as close as we're going to get. I'll take it. But yeah, so that's that's my first choice. I think it's, um, it's a good film. It's an incredible success on its own, and it really didn't need another six movies in an expanded universe which as you quite rightly say all kind of blends into one and is not particularly engaging or memorable at all I, i'm honestly trying to remember I, I i've even lost which paranormal activity films i've seen and which i just got bored and read the wikipedia plot of. <laughs> i mean that's probably num- film number seven right paranormal activity wikipedia plot because i think what one of them ends up tying back into the first one like Final Destination style. Yeah, I'm fairly sure they try and explain the stuff in the first one with the witches and the, the probably the ghost dimension, but I've, I've not seen the ghost dimension. Hey guys, Future Ian here again, this time unprompted. Before we go into the next section, it's just worth us covering something. So, while recording, I said this. 
Zoom is like emergency backup. I haven't had to use it yet. Obviously, because, you know, that's the way the world works. Within three minutes of saying that, I had accidentally turned my microphone off without realizing and didn't realize for a good 10 minutes. Luckily, during that 10 minutes, I also got massively sidetracked with Wikipedia. So we haven't missed all that much. But if you do notice a drop in sound quality, it's because we've had to switch to our backup. So I apologize. I'm just going to blame Graham. My first choice then. So so what I've done with my choices is I've tried to pick films. For me, there's a lot of reasons I, you know, wish films didn't have sequels. And I've kind of picked films based around the different reasons you might not want one. So my first film is a sequel to what I think, unironically, is one of the funniest films ever made. And it was also came out 15 years after the film. So for me, a lot of the time you don't want a sequel to a film is when, you know, there's this massive period of time and then suddenly it kind of comes out of nowhere. Didn't, I mean, that, there's been a few of those, right? You had Dumb and Dumber, you had... Well, you had D- D- Dumb and Dumber, Dumber 2. 2. Yeah, sorry. and Which was spelt T-O-A. Blues Brothers, 2000. Blues Brothers 2000 was about... Yeah, and the film I'll be uh, talking about is Zoolander 2. Nice. And by talking about Zoolander 2, I mean I'm going to talk entirely on how amazing Zoolander was, and then briefly <laughs> mention that there was a shitty sequel that came. So Zoolander came out, so back 2001, and I still remember watching it in the cinema, which is very rare for me from films back in <laughs> early 2000s. I don't know what it is about the film, but I could happily watch it every day and not get bored of it. It's the perfect kind of borderline surreal stupid film where kind of there's so many jokes going on both kind of visually and audibly that every time you watch it you end up laughing about something different so there's kind of a couple of films i would put in that category so things like dumb and dumber which again has fallen into the late pointless sequel kind of category but also like team america is up there airplane is up there tropic thunder which i think is like a distinctly underrated comedy and also has kind of ben stiller in i quite like the early some of the early adam sound films fall into that category for me like billy madison Happy Gilmore. Everything he did up until Little Nicky. Yeah, little, I love Little Nicky. Little Nicky yeah. is fantastic, especially with Quentin Tarantino's uh, cameo. Yeah, like everything since Little Nicky like hasn't necessarily been bad. Like he's done some incredible films since then. That seemed to be when he realised he could just pick films that were set in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, rather than, yeah. Was he in Funny People? Yes, which I didn't like. It was dreadful I, but you 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 see it on like li- like lists all the time even though we're the only list based thing you guys should be listening to or watching <laughs> but i i see it on lists all the time of like times actors went out there and like underappreciated comedies and it's like well i guess it is underappreciated because i think it's shit yeah i i really didn't like it at all i i, uh, I, I don't even know why i don't also don't know why i'm talking about funny people fuck that film zoolander <laughs> on the other hand Z- zoolander is uh, i it's, it's a difficult podcast to talk about a film where all i could think of saying is oh god it's just great isn't it it's just brilliant it's the in-depth analysis people come here for yeah exactly but why male models? <laughs> um, so yeah, Zoolander follows Derek Zoolander, who is a male model and is stupid. And then it follows a whole Manchurian candidate thing where he then gets brainwashed to assassinate a politician. It <laughs> is fucking amazing. I don't think I have to talk too much about the plot because I think everyone's... Surely everyone has watched it by this point. And if you haven't, pause this and watch it. But it's just fantastic. Like it's like I said, like the, the pure... What made it great 
was the writing, obviously, kind of the performances, everything which was improvised felt kind of natural to what was happening. Sure, there was a lot of a lot of stupid stuff was said, but it all seemed to be based on the characters either actually having good intentions and just being Thick. too ob- yeah, too obtuse to realize anything. The plot was simple. Everything everything people did, even though it didn't make sense, made sense because of who was doing yeah, it. Yeah, it had a very good cast as well. The cast were incredible. Like uh, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, David Bowie. It's everything <laughs> everything you would want in a film. But what has what's happened to Owen Wilson? Uh how dark are we going? <laughs> Uh, Wes Anderson's not making films as regularly as Owen Wilson would probably like (laughs) but yeah so so the cast so Ben Stiller Owen Wilson uh Kristen Taylor it's they're they're all really fucking funny and then they also had a load of cameos in it and the cameos were also very funny and again kind of like the writing and the jokes the cameos kind of made sense in how weird everything was so David Bowie kind of turned up judging the walk-off, which I think is one of the most underappreciated comedy scenes of the last like 20 years. David Tacofney turns up as a hand model, which gives one of, <laughs> again, like the, the whole why males model, uh, why male models kind of exchanges is brilliant. You had Vince Vaughn turn up, John Voight. Like it was all, even though it was all over the top, it was still kind of very, uh, it's difficult to say understated, but it didn't, watching the scene, you were thinking this is very funny rather than, oh shit, it's that guy. Mm. And that's where the sequel fell down. So Zoolander 2 just became a series of cameos because I don't think they could... They'd clearly been talking about doing the sequel for a long time and then seemed to rush it out over the course of like a couple of... What felt like a couple of months. So I don't think they even had access to the full cast for the entire duration of the film. And it just became a series of cameos. I can't... There was one funny joke in the first three minutes which i remember of the film and that's literally it so turns out he made his uh, educational institution out of the same material that he made the model and it had collapsed and they also killed off his wife i i don't know if it was like someone was trying to reverse engineer zoolander and make a sequel like it's kind of to me it felt very much like you know when a band ends up just sounding like a tribute version of themselves yeah so it's like people sat down and not to not to name or shame anyone here, but it's like, you know, when people sit around and go, you know what? We just need something that sounds like a newfound glory album. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it just felt like a by the numbers film done by someone who didn't seem to really fully understand the first one. And then that coupled with the fact that you waited 15 years for this to come out, just, you know, Talk of a fucking anticlimax. It- that that tends to happen so frequently though. These there's like these long mooted sequels that, like you say, they take ages and they just never live up to the expectation. Yeah, you know, and well, even yeah, even with albums, right? The whole like the Chinese democracy thing, which I'm fairly sure I've brought up before, but I'll bring I it up again. I believe you bought bought that up in episode one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like that was 20 odd years waiting for an album and it came out and it was dreadful. Yeah. And, and d- again, dumb and dumber. Like it, it's like they're, yeah, it, it's all just seems to be counting on nostalgia and hoping the same thing works again. Well, all, all of the good, like really good comedy sequels, well, all the good sequels, like let's just talk, if we're just talking about sequels, just take what happened in the first film 
and then either build the world it's set in or just further the journey. So the, yeah. the perfect kind of sequel trilogy for me is the John Wick series. So John Wick 1 was a very, very small story. John Wick 2 built the world around it. John Wick Book 3 built the world around that. And everything that happened was a logical next step without just repeating the set pieces from the first film. Which is what a lot of comedy films fall into. So, oh, so you had this scene in the first one, so we'll just do that, but even more over the top. It's like, yeah. no. So I so want like, to see that film again. I would just watch Zoolander again, which I do regularly. Yeah, and that's similar to like the Hangover films, right? They're, yeah, they're yeah. very similar to that. Like there's, there's knowing, like it just felt like a cop-out. And for, for a while, it stopped me being able to watch Zoolander in the same way. Like it completely tainted the film for like a good kind of year or two afterwards. Yeah. Um, and now I can't remember a lot of Zoolander 2. So I'm back to just enjoying Zoolander for the <laughs> incredibly weird thing it is. But, but yeah, so that, that, that's my first choice. It's based mainly on, yeah, those, I think it's a great example of sequels that come out late and then also, I mean, Zoolander was a completely, like, it had an end. I, you, nobody watched it and thought, oh, you know what? I wonder what Zoolander's going to do next. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's again, that's another one of these kind of common things with a lot of these films that really didn't need a sequel. It's like, the, these films are, are quite well self-contained. It has an arc. It finishes nicely. And... Again, right, I guess the whole thing with Zoolander was maybe not rushed. It obviously wasn't rushed out to make more money, but they were like, okay, what can we, what what IP do we own that we can, that is guaranteed to give us a decent box office? Yeah, yeah. It felt felt like, a, oh, well, we've been saying we will. So, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a shame as well, because, you know, Ben Stiller is clearly a very talented filmmaker. And he just, it's the, I'm not, I'm not annoyed, Graham. I'm just disappointed. Um, so, second film I wish didn't have a sequel is is a great cult hit. Really didn't do well at the box office, but absolutely smashed it on like home media release. Um, and that film is Donnie Darko, which yes. had its sequel, S Darko. Um, it was called. Um, yeah. But yeah, Donnie Darko. I think it's it's such a good film it's so enjoyable it's i mean jake Gyllenhaal, obviously with his like i guess breakout performance he definitely had done a few pieces yeah. beforehand but this really i think catapulted him that that kind of put him more into he became dolly darko for a long time i think after that yeah and actually it had a it had a great cast drew barrymore was in it you always said jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, swayze right yeah swayze was in it maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal. Seth Rogen's first ever feature film. Um, oh fuck! Of course, he was in the school, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, and his. Do you know what his first ever line in a movie was? I like your boobs. <laughs> nice, <laughs> strong. But yeah, I think you know Donnie Darko was really. I don't know. It's kind of one of those one of a kind films. I think I say it's one of a kind film, but it also kind of spawned like a number of these weirdly emo existential movies off the back of his success. So you had like Butterfly Effect that came out a few years afterwards with Aston Kutcher, also a film that didn't need a sequel. I think there's so much about it and what it's kind of the themes that it, it addresses and the way it even presents itself. You know, the whole film is sort of about 
agnosticism a lot of it is built on the fact that you don't really know what the fuck happened in the movie the fact that you know that's how it's presented kind of alludes to the fact that you don't necessarily need a continuation of it again similar to what you're saying with Zoolander it had a ending you know it quite a like explosive ending yeah for for me to then try and they kind of leaned into the whole like frank side of things for the sequel so obviously frank and his involvement in donnie darko is all kind of explained but then they really try and like crowbar that as into like a mythology with s darko like he she they start seeing the like symbols that resemble the mask that frank wears and i don't know it just seems like there was nothing that was particularly like other than the fact that obviously donnie was seeing frank all the time there wasn't really a necessarily a mythology around him and it seems that they're really trying to crowbar it in with a with yeah. a sequel the, pro- the problem i have is i don't understand donnie darko enough to tell you <laughs> if it needed a sequel <laughs> I still I love that film. I've seen it a fair few times, and I still couldn't tell you what the fuck was happening. Rabbit, chest wormholes, aeroplane, yeah. Smurfs. Okay. Yeah. See, I should go into marketing. It's easy. The Smurfs um, scene was great. Yeah. There's also the really weird bit where he's talking to his therapist and starts fantasizing and goes to start jacking off whilst he's lying down in the on the shrink couch, which is probably unnecessary. And, and pedo Swayze. Pedo Swayze. Yeah. That's a, that's a t-shirt. It's not a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Swayze um, wore all of his, like he, for some apparent reason, Swayze still had his clothes from the 80s, which he wore as for his character because it was obviously set back in the 80s. Uh, so, so he thought, oh, I'm going to play a paedophile in this. Best clothes, probably the ones I wore in the 80s. <laughs> but yeah, again, I think this was an instance where a studio saw a financial excess, albeit in the like home cinema market and the reason it really struggled in uh, theaters is the trailer obviously had the whole crashing plane bit in it and it was released in 2001 just after 9-11 so it's not the time to to really be marketing a film like that it was it's not exactly the feel-good movie that everyone needed at that time how do you even market a film like donnie darko like you can't really sum it up in a trailer it would just be like eerie music and the rabbit dude which yeah, is a great well, like psychedelic band name. Really <laughs> music and the rabbit dude. Yeah. <laughs> this song this is a twenty minute song about love. <laughs> but it did you say that, but I mean it had the great Gary Jules cover of Mad World that was his like synonymous. Oh, the, with the, the Christmas movie. number one. Gary the Christmas Jules number version one. of Mad yeah. World. <laughs> I think that it was, was on before... the Gears, Gears of War trailer had that. It was really good. And probably one of the last Christmas number ones before the slew of X Factors up until the point we had uh, Rage Against the Machine. That was a fun gig. That was a very fun gig, and it was free. Thank you, Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> yes, keep on keep on raging against that machine, guys. Yeah, so that's I think that's the, again, it's just like, they saw that this made a load of money, became a cult hit, and let's make a sequel again. Not because there's a story to tell necessarily, but because we're probably going to make a bit of money off of it. I think, actually, S. Darko ended up going just straight to DVD anyway so i don't think it was a critical or financial success and there's obviously there's a reason so richard kelly who did the first movie didn't want anything to do with the sequel i think from what i was reading he was kind of opening open to doing one but one that would make sense and where he felt there was a story to be told which yeah i appreciate the irony of saying a donnie darko sequel that makes sense but made sense in the the mythos or the kind of expanded world of Donnie Darko. Yeah, I think he just he he wasn't on board. The studio wants to get something out, and they. 
they kind of yeah different director different writer focused on donnie's sister but not maggie gyllenhaal the, the other other the other donnie darko sister yeah um i'm not sure if it's the same actress actually but yeah it it was not very I, I, good i, I want to say it was but i'm basing that on literally nothing <laughs> so i'll just say it with confidence so people can correct me <laughs> It was, it was definitely yeah. categorically and without question. It was the same actress. Nice. I like. I like the confidence. Yeah, I got this. Look, I think it's Donnie Darko is like you say. It it is kind of one of those films that you're not truly sure what the hell is going on, but you kind of have a lot of fun trying to f- figure it out, particularly whilst you're watching it. But it's also one of those ones that you definitely go back to after the fact. You read around it. You try and work out what's going on. Whilst it is a confusing ending it is an ending and it just doesn't really necessitate a sequel particularly not one that just tries to crowbar in some of the more interesting pieces and twists from from the original yeah it it doesn't make a lot of sense also thanks to some crafty uh googling on my phone it was the same actress excellent uh, she also played lilo in lilo and stitch samara in the ring and the main character in spirited away so she's had a very very critically claimed career Jeez, that's is it the first remake the first like american remake of the ring yeah so the 2002 yeah. one which was like loki really good uh it had brian cox and naomi watson yeah i, th- I thought it was, I thought it was yeah great film. and then they did on brand a shit sequel yep absolutely so yeah donnie darko great film s darko not needed wish it didn't happen the bastards like 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 I said, I, I'm trying to pick films based around different ways or different reasons you wouldn't want a sequel to a film. And this series is <laughs> not only a film that I don't think needed a sequel, nobody wanted... Bear with me. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-ish. Eight-ish sequels to it. So I am, of course talking about 2004's Saw. There's a lot of reasons why, like, so so for me, this falls into the category of films that accidentally start a franchise. Yeah. Nobody watched Saw and thought, oh, this is going to be like the key Halloween film for the next decade. No, it's weird that it happens so much with horror films, though, right? Yeah, I, like, like, I don't know if it's the kind of the paramount, like you said, the paranormal activity kind of thing of Saw was relatively cheap to make yeah. because you only really need your central cast there's not really a lot of sets or anything you'd need you just need like a grotty fucking warehouse so there's been a load of Saw films in what has to be some of the most infuriating naming conventions ever so <laughs> you obviously had Saw then there was two three four five and six over the next uh, I think they were released annually uh, you then had Saw the final chapter um, which obviously closed every... Oh, wait, no, it didn't, because there's another film after it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had Jigsaw, which was, again, the annoying phrase... Or, uh, sorry, the, the annoying kind of fad that goes on now of it was both a sequel, a prequel, and a reboot all at the same time. Or not a and reboot, like a reset. Which one was the 3D one? Uh, so Saw the Final Chapter yeah. has now been rebranded as Saw 3D because right. they've clearly realised, well, it's not the final chapter, is it? Oh, okay. um, and I also think we're going to get another rebranding of everything because they're releasing a film called Spiral. Right. It's Spiral from the Book of Saw. Okay. So similar to all of the, like, the, the yeah. conjuring stuff where you've got, like, the but, nun and things. 
but it's Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like it sounds really, it, it seems to be going back a lot more to kind of the roots of what made Saw a good film. One of the reasons I don't like these sequels, and I wish they hadn't happened, is because they've, and it's a similar thing with The Matrix actually, is they've developed such a shitty mythology through all of the sequels that you can't watch Saw anymore in the same way. Yeah. So, They've retroactively changed things and fucked around with things. So you can't even watch it out of just like in its own little bubble. It, 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 it's intrinsically linked to everything because there's so much like kind of timeline jumping and that again, that annoying horror thing of, oh, let's, let's make you relate to the villain. It's like, I don't want to relate to the fucking serial killer. I don't particularly care. <laughs> I feel like... Also, from, I don't know, maybe three onwards, it got to the point where it was, it wasn't so much a movie, it was, they figured out a, re- a load of fucked up ways to kill people, and a- then as a, a result exactly. of that, yes. stitched together a film so around it. It became like a dot to dot of gory traps yeah so the first film back in 2004 was it was directed by james wan who we've kind of talked about before who is one of i think the best horror directors of the last like well at least the last 16 years so he's done uh saw he's done the conjuring um he did the insidious films insidious which is one of my favorite horror films just because the family realized their house is haunted so they move which is just genius it's what everybody else would do yeah absolutely so it was not only was it directed by you know one of the best kind of horror directors available but it was written by him and a guy called lee wannell so lee wannell has gone on to do he did the invisible man that came out this year oh nice uh, and he also did a really underrated film called upgrade which is a sci-fi sci-fi action horror film about a guy who isn't tom hardy but definitely looks like tom hardy who gets paralyzed in a mugging gone wrong and gets like a computer chip that allows him to walk and it's got some of the best fight scenes in anything i've ever seen lee wannell kind of knows his stuff so lee uh james wan directed the first one and then was kind of a producer for the rest of the series but clearly i think his involvement got phased out as the series went on and then yeah. lee then lee wannell wrote the first three okay so like you said there is there's a distinct kind of line where the original team were involved and the original team weren't involved lee was also he actually played the other guy in saw so the um I said the other guy. Obviously, it was a big cast, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. You had Carrie Yule. (laughs) Is it it Yule's or Elwes? Robin Hood from Men in Tights in one side of the room. (laughs) The Princess Bride on one side of the room. And then you had this other guy, and that guy was the writer. Saw, which I think people forget, was... It was Saw 1 is closer to seven yeah as as sorry that's a horrific way to describe a series that has nine films <laughs> saw is closer to the movie seven with brad S- pitt and morgan freeman se7 than jigsaw is to the first saw film are you following me i'm with, I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> with you so it was it was a proper like it was borderline a thriller like that sure there was kind of like gory traps and things like that but at its heart it was kind of a detective story it also then had the massive twist at the end that the the body in the middle was the guy that was behind it all and the person they thought it was wasn't and it was it was so well done and at a time where kind of i, I think this was coming towards the end of like the college girls horror movie 
Mm-hmm. So I, I think in the 90s, it was all slashes and college kids. And this kind of saw the, to use a phrase for a previous episode, I don't want to say torture porn, but <laughs> it, it marked a move to kind of more like shock gore stuff. Yeah. But Saw wasn't about the gore. It was a film that had a lot of gory stuff happening in it. It also had like, the cast was really good. Like, Carrie Yules slash however you pronounce his name is a very, very good actor. Um, Danny Glover was in it. It's, oh, damn. Yeah. You had someone who I believe's birth name is... No, he was that guy in Lost. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it was brilliantly done. It, it, it was it was legitimately a very, very good horror movie to the point where like on IMDb, it's got 7.6, yeah. which is like, for a horror movie, that's, that's like... It's fucking impressive, there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it was just a rock bottom slide down to 5.8 for the last one. <laughs> it didn't... I, I wish it didn't have a sequel because you'll never be able to watch that film in the same way. So no. the, the sequels played around so much with the very fabric of the film. It's it's no longer like that perfect kind of bookended standalone horror film. It's part of this whole series, which because it did get so obviously they built the traps before and then figured the film around it. Even the traps, the traps started off like relatively simple. Like it was the guys chained in the room. It was the reverse bear trap thing. It was a guy having to open a safe that had an antidote in and all he had for light was a candle and he was covered in like flammable jelly, basically. It was really, yeah, yeah, it was really simple. And then in the last one, they had lasers. <laughs> yeah, and I think as well, like the uh, where when it started off, the whole idea was like how how far are you willing to go to save yourself? Yeah, and that was part of the you know the entirety of the film, but that turned into how fucked up a way can I make you push? Yeah. how far are you going into saving yeah, yourself? A, a, and exactly. I think that's where it lost itself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, the writer's room must have just been, guys, I have this brilliant idea. Is it, like, character-based? Nah, nah, nah. We're going to have this thing that breaks your arm and then, like, acid and these walls will close. To be fair, Saw 2 and Saw 3... Like they weren't Saw Two, especially wasn't a bad film. Um, so Saw Two was the one where they were there was a, a load of them stuck in a house. Yeah, that's the one with the um the swimming pool of swimming pool of needles. And again, there was like like a the bad guy that was in with everyone as well, right? Oh uh, yeah, the woman. So it was the woman the from woman, the first yeah, yeah. film was like his apprentice, and the third one wasn't. It wasn't great. It was again kind of the for that's the first one that starts blending into the rest. But the others, I can't tell you. It doesn't help that two of the main characters look exactly the fucking same during a lot of them. Um, <laughs> to the point where I used to get confused, and they're both policemen. I think it is, but it's just. Uh, it's just. I've definitely seen. I think I've seen the first four. And I thought I'd seen five of them, so went to watch Source 6, because I definitely haven't seen Source 6. But then in the beginning of that, there were some weird flashbacks to stuff that I didn't remember. So I was like, okay, I'm convinced I haven't seen Source 5. Yeah, because it starts um, with a proper, like, previously on Lost. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but that I think that's part of the problem with it as well. Like you say, like, everything just mashes into one. Yeah, it was just fucking pointless. And then you also had then a load of kind of copycats of it started coming out of films that were just all about, let's see how gory we can go. It's Halloween. People will watch it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, for, for me, the main reason I wish it didn't have a sequel is because people have forgotten how good the first one actually was. It has basically become a, a way of saying a series that's gone on for too long or a series that has no imagination, which is a shame because, it, yeah, it, at the time it was, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it was it came out of nowhere. It was, it was an incredible horror film. 
and it was it definitely like had something something else about it that you haven't really seen before yeah which is which is always refreshing yeah and then also because of the way this the sequels were done that's now been taken away as well like there you can't watch the first film and it have the same effect because you're just constantly thinking about all the stuff you now know was happening like on the other yeah. side of the wall and shit like that. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, but it's you you missed one of the sequels as well. Did I? Yeah, there's the ride at Thorpe Park. Ah, of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> that really ties it all together. Yeah, no, exactly. That really brings the saws together. <laughs> but it was, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a shame. It's the worst kind of sequels are ones that aren't only bad but seep into the rest of them. It's a testament to how good the first one was that kind of the creative team behind it are now doing such kind of incredible things. So James Wan's obviously gone on to kind of create two of what are now really well, The Conjuring especially are kind of very established kind of horror worlds. I mean, The Conjuring's got nearly as many sequels as I think, yeah. It's kind of it's not quite going the same way those sequels some of the sequels at least are bad in a different way than these ones are bad so those like the nun just feels lazy weirdly the sequel to annabelle is really good i haven't seen that yet Uh, no uh prequel to annabelle so annabelle 2 which is the prequel to annabelle which is a spin-off of the guy (laughs) yeah Um, and then yeah and then lee wannell did uh the invisible man which is just a fucking incredible film which was the first one i think to home release when the cinemas closed down yes so, I, it's just i haven't seen it not because he's invisible i just haven't got to uh, see what you did there and you should stop uh we are on to my final movie that i wish didn't have a sequel and actually probably the first one where i'm gonna guess a lot of people don't necessarily know it had a sequel I certainly haven't seen the sequel. It was a straight-to-TV or a TV movie sequel, which I think is never a, a good sign. But that film is Mean Girls. Sure, surely you're, you're just getting confused and thinking of the Broadway musical Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There was actually a Mean Girls 2, which, I mean, I'll come on to a bit, but basically is Mean Girls again, but bad. <laughs> but yeah, Mean Girls is just so good i i absolutely love it i think tina fey is just an absolute comedy writing god you had lord michaels from snl producing i i can't even narrow down what my favorite part of that film is yeah there's there's so much i want to say amy poehler is the cool mum. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely amy poehler and also so I'd say at the time of recording, but it's actually still true now because that's how time works. But Amy Poehler playing Rachel McAdams' mum was only seven years older and still is only seven years older than Rachel McAdams. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's still the truth now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really well written. It's genuinely very funny. It's got a really, really good cast. So Tina Fey obviously also stars in it. As you mentioned, you've got Amy Poehler, Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Lizzie Kaplan, the janitor from Scrubs, and Lindsay Lohan before she went all Lindsay Lohan. There's there's so much of it that's kind of been baked into pop culture as well. Like every October 3rd, that scene gets posted everywhere. You have got the sorry my dog is making weird noises um <laughs> you've got the uh you go gang glenn coco is is often said in you know in random situations you have the uh, stop trying to make fetch happen 
where replacing fetch with anything has has become a mean meme within uh, itself. Donald Trump is a fugly slut. I think I saw that today. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Right? I <laughs> yeah. also saw the Amy Poehler as the cool mum, where she's like, "Do you girls need anything? Shots or whatever?" Yeah. Because that's what people need right now. Yeah, I think it's just become so baked into to kind of everyday kind of pop culture references you've got i think the gifs like within you know they're flying about twitter and whatsapp all the time as well it's also kind of at the center of it has quite a wholesome message about not being a dick <laughs> which is what i think it really yeah, boils down yeah. to yeah it's, it's something that we could all learn from yeah it's i i like it it's that there's a lot to be said for like uncynical comedy <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and i think it's it was pretty ahead of its time as well i mean i can't think of too many other films around that time that really had a full female fronted comedy movie i mean this was seven years before we got bridesmaids yeah i think it's it's great that they they kind of they were given the backing to do it obviously it had such a great script and and cast to be able to bring it to life but yeah it's just good back in 2004 we were we were getting a a film like this and it was so good really good soundtrack as well you had the donners on there blondie jingle bell rock and as with all of the other films i've mentioned it it has a story arc that plays out um at the end Everyone kind of goes their separate ways. The plastics disband. You obviously have like the junior plastics bit at the end where there's this new set of girls that have come in. And I guess that kind of teases that there could be a sequel, but also they all get hit by a bus. Every, yeah. <laughs> every school have them, but not every school had buses. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think. And then Mean Girls 2, which is a thing. I think it's just everything that you don't want a sequel to be. As I say, it was straight to TV. No Tina Fey. None of the original cast. But the, the, the reason it was good, because Tina Fey was the big driving force behind it, right? Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is no Mean Girls without Tina Fey. Like it was so like clearly her voice in it as well that I yep. don't understand how you can have kind of welcome to being the only people ever to compare Mean Girls to Donnie Darko, but it's it's <laughs> it's similar with Donnie Darko is very clearly uh, Richard Kelly. Yeah, Richard Kelly's voice and not having yeah, him in the absolutely. sequel is immediately um, kind of kind of fuck it over. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's. And I, f- I feel like, again, I- I, full disclosure, I haven't watched Mean Girls 2, but from everything I've read about it, I nor, really don't need to. You. But I feel like it's, again, from reading the plot of it, it's just like, just done Mean Girls, but a bit different and a bit worse. <laughs> classic, classic comedy sequel. <laughs> Absolutely, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I just love the film. It's it, and completely unironically. It is so good. Interestingly, it uh, the original script that they had would have made it R-rated, so they had to like tone down some of the um, some of the dialogue to get it to PG thirteen. So like, I think there's a bit where they ask, um, "Has her has her muffin been buttered?" And originally, <laughs> it was, "Has her cherry been popped?" And because they wanted to PG thirteen, they changed it to, "Has her muffin been buttered?" And also, there was some oh the bit with um, where they say that there's the girl that made out with the hot dog. Um, originally, mm. was that she uh, uh, masturbated with the hot dog? Um, See that obviously that one I get. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that is clearly an R-rated comment. The pop cherry one, you know, that would slide past people very much. Like the thought- hot dog would no no <laughs> <laughs> nah. But also, I don't know about you, but. 
Has a muffin been buttered? Kind of sounds worse to me. That sounds like a an infection. <laughs> um, but there are yeah, always it's, yeah. always weird stories at school. <laughs> but yeah, I it's probably I mean, it's definitely up there in my favorite comedy movies and just it holds up now. It's it's a good film now. A lot of the cast have gone on to do really great things. They've appeared in all kinds of of movies. Um Probably Lindsay Lohan being the one that hasn't necessarily had the best career after it, but yeah, everyone else has has gone on to to do some great stuff. Um, obviously, Tina Fey has done. I loads. always forget just how good Lindsay Lohan was. She's basically sore. Uh, the rest, <laughs> the, the rest of Lindsay Lohan's career has made you forget how good she was. But I, I, I watched <laughs> we we watched Freaky Friday again the other day. Yeah, that was just before this. Yeah, like she's she was legitimately really good, and it's yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's quite sad actually. But there we go. Such is the life of a a child star in Hollywood, I guess. But yeah, it's it's great. It holds up. I wish it didn't have a sequel. My final choice then. Uh, so obviously, given we're talking about films, you know, we wish didn't have sequels. Keanu Reeves is going to come up in the conversation. <laughs> so sitting here thinking, you know, what what famous sequels for movies based around, you know, that have Keanu Reeves in didn't we need? And obviously, I'm talking about Toy Story 3. So <laughs> the joke there is um, obviously you would think I was talking about The Matrix, but Keanu Reeves was also a Toy Story 4. <laughs> ah, oh, fuck me. I'm, uh, I'm As a Canadian I'm, stuntman, right? Yeah. Um, Duke Kaboom, who is one yeah. of the best named characters anywhere. <laughs> so Toy Story 3 which is a sequel in itself, as you would expect. Didn't need... It's really weird if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, Troll, uh, <laughs> Troll 2 wasn't a sequel. No, true. So tr- Troll, also- yeah, Troll 2 was called Troll 2, so people who watch Troll would go to watch it. Troll 2 also wasn't about trolls, it was about goblins, but that's for a different episode. <laughs> so Toy Story 3 was the the last film in the Toy Story trilogy. And the reason I wish it didn't have a sequel is it was arguably the perfect end to a trilogy. It was the perfect, like, full stop at the end of multiple characters' character arcs. These these were three films that came out over 15 years. Toy Story came out in 95, Toy Story 2 then came out in 99, and then you had Toy Story 3 come out over 10 years later, which is usually, as we said with Zoolander, is usually a bad thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's Pixar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they they completely smashed it out of the park. It was to- Toy Story three for me is possibly the best Toy Story film. It may not be as iconic as the original was, but I think in terms of like storytelling, and obviously it's easier to watch now because the I don't think you realize, especially as we grew up with it because we're old now, you don't <laughs> realize how much better the graphics are until you have them side by side. Because I still remember Toy Story in the same kind of high definition clarity that Toy Story three actually is. Oh yeah, it's awful, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? When you actually look back at it, yeah, like we're not awful for the time. Yeah, but like, apparently the reason. Andy's you never see you never saw Andy's dad is because it was so difficult animating humans that they would cut back on human characters where they could so that's why Andy's mum was a single (laughs) mum and was it because Sid looked really crap didn't he yeah yeah but Toy Story yeah Toy Story 3 not only was an incredible film but it was the perfect end to their story so luckily I think I saw it in 3D so I had to wear like fucking shutter shades which um, (laughs) yeah which 
was weird because I definitely had something in my eye. Um, a lot of toxic masculinity there. It was, uh, yeah, I, you could hear people audibly sobbing during the end of that film. Like one where in a kid's film you see characters accept their own impending death, which, fuck that. But then in the handover scene, it was so... What Pixar always does well is kind of like the emotional resonance there was... It was, you know, he was saying goodbye to these characters just as the audience were, and it was like the perfect kind of end to characters you'd grown up with, a story you were familiar with. Nothing seemed... Obviously, there is a cynical aspect to Hollywood. Obviously, they released this film because they thought it would make a shitload of money, which it did. But it didn't feel forced when you watched it. It felt like they'd had an idea for a continuation of the story and they'd done it. So Wait, The absolute opposite to like your Donnie Darko, where yeah. they were like, okay, yeah. we're just going to put something out because we want the money. Exactly. This exactly. Is, and it, there's, a, there's something here to round it all out. Yeah, and it was... It was the most closure I think I've got in a kind of a. Th- <laughs> this is. I just need to remember this isn't therapy. It's 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 the most closure I can remember getting at the end of a trilogy. Really, like I, I thought it was it was so perfect while also having like because I I think the 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 best film. I'm trying to phrase this without sounding massively wanky. The the. Uh, <laughs> The best films end with you knowing that the central characters you love's lives are going to go on. You know, Fuck you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, like you, you knew the characters were in a good place, and you didn't need to know what was going to happen. It was both kind of open ended that everything was going to be okay without you having to know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then Toy Story Four came out. Toy Story 4, for me, this is the kind of sequel where it's not that Toy Story 4 was bad. Like, on, on the contrary, I thought Toy Story 4 was really good. Um, you had Keanu Reeves in it. Key and Peele were in it. Um, you had an overly creepy ventriloquist dummy, which was completely not fucking needed. And it was... It, there were about four of them, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, like, fuck those guys. I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it again. There is nothing funny about ventriloquist dummies. Like, they're just inherently haunted. Maybe we do need to go back to therapy and... <laughs> so this ventriloquist dummy... No. Um, <laughs> just w- went off on a tangent of fucked up things I could say and I realised this is going to be on the internet. Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of positives to take from Toy Story 4. It also led to um, one of the best things on Disney+, Plus, which is Forky Asks the Questions, which is a series which is a series of Toy Story shorts which are some of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like we I I have sat watching all of them and then just watched them all again immediately. They're just brilliant. But the entire film was unnecessary. It felt like an an epilogue to a story rather than a story that had to be told. And I I get that like clearly they were trying to do something, but Toy Story 3 was such a perfect end to like a series yeah it just didn't need to happen yeah my my favorite part about toy story 4 is it was actually like a it was a it was a punchline in the muppet sequel they would do the song we're doing a sequel (laughs) and one of the lines is we're doing a sequel the studio wants more whilst they wait for tom tom hanks to make toy story 4 yeah because they literally thought, well, that's not going to happen because the trilogy was perfect. Obviously, Muppets is a Disney property anyway as well. So, but yeah, lo and behold, five years later, we we had it. Yeah, and and yeah, it just didn't sit right. 
like again, it, it's not. It, it's not a bad film. Like it, again, it's a very enjoyable film. It's very funny, but it just wasn't needed. And um, especially what what kind of always annoys me with stuff like that is Pixar are clear clearly what they potentially have to offer is insane. Mm-hmm. Um. So they've made some of the best films ever made. And you could have had that talent on something else instead of doing another fucking Toy Story film. But nothing. Yeah, nothing, true. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel like it added anything to the story. It added as a... It added as kind of like a, a an end point to Woody's story. But so did Toy Story 3. Yeah, I, I think I felt more strongly about it when it was announced than when i actually saw it like i i i don't think i saw it till i watched it on disney plus so quite some time after it was released and it was kind of intentional for these reasons you mentioned like hey toast like the trilogy was great we don't need another one but then i watched it and then i kind of thought yeah but it was it was good and i'm glad i saw it i didn't hate it and i don't know like there are some like cars 2 and Planes. Oh, uh, pl- planes technically isn't Pixar. Not that that's the oh, really? point, but I feel like it needs to be said. <laughs> I didn't realize that. So the Cars but... films are Planes was a Disney produced spinoff. But yeah, but like Cars, Cars two to me falls more into this like Pixar sequels we didn't need. Yeah, yeah, yeah true, true. But it's sequels we wish didn't happen. <laughs> um, but for me, the, the reason the reason I wish this one didn't happen is... So, for, for, to use your example, Cars 2 isn't a very good film. I can still watch Cars and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just not needed. Um, Toy Story 4 arguably need, means now that the... The reason the Toy Story trilogy was so good is because it had a distinct, you know, you had these character arcs kind of through the whole thing. You had like the perfect ending to everything. Everything felt closed off. And then it was like they went, ah, one more thing. It was like, oh, well, it wasn't like it. It, it so... just felt unne- it felt unnecessary. And it is also now detracted from what could have been the I, I couldn't say that was the best trilogy anymore. So you're basically saying that Toy Story 4 is the scrub season nine of films. That's harsh, but yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like you didn't after Toy Story one, it 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 felt like there was still kind of more stories to be told. Mm-hmm. It, it could it could have ended there, but it felt like there was more to be said. Toy Story two, kind of you know, it built kind of the world around it. They could now animate people, which opened a whole world of opportunity for them. And sure, it had an end, and you know, it could have kind of happily ended there um but toy story 3 like that was it, it was arguably the perfect end i've said it before and i'll say it again it was the perfect ending to a film and toy story 4 completely detracts from that so that's why i wish it didn't happen it's not that i don't think it was a good film it's not that i don't think it's a fun watch it was just so unnecessary it is the appendix of cinema um <laughs> My internet went weird then, so I don't know if you so, laughed, but I hope you did. And if you didn't, I'm going to edit it in from a previous joke. I did. I, I did laugh and was trying to trying to work out what the cinema equivalent of Toy Story Four exploding would be. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, yeah. So so for, for me as a sequel, this this is a perfect example of kind of an unnecessary extra step. 
And yeah, it just kind of goes to show that just because a sequel is bad, it isn't the only reason why you wish it hadn't happened. So you're saying that you can have too much of a good thing. Yes. But yeah, it, it, it's not it's not just that a sequel was shit, which is the only reason it shouldn't have had a sequel. The, the weird thing as well is Toy Story was so successful with its short films. Like it released a lot of short films. Yeah. I thought that was kind of, that was the perfect continuation, I think, of the story was these 20 minute shorts that they were releasing. Like they were funny kind of snapshots into everything that was going on. It was like- It was the Halloween one, was yeah, really, wasn't the, it? Um, what was that uh, called? The dinosaur one. Toy Story of Terror. Yeah, and there was a dinosaur yeah. one, which was like Land Before Time kind of stuff. Those work as a better kind of extension of it because their shorts always feel kind of a little bit unofficial. Like, bit that, that... Yeah. Have you seen the new the new Olaf one? Is very it's very good. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it just... Yeah, it never, never fully sat with me, which is a shame because it is a... I, I feel like if you'd released it as a short... It wouldn't have detracted from. It's probably been a, a long. very long short, yeah, or just a Duke Kaboom miniseries, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't finish Toy Story three, thinking, you know what, I don't feel like Woody's story is over. That's six movies that we wish didn't have sequels. Like a bit more enthusiasm. That's six <laughs> films that we wish did not have oh my sequels. God, Graham. <laughs> yeah, so out of out of your three, then, like, what 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 would your top yeah. three be from your choices? It's difficult. I think, yeah, I'm really not. I, I really struggle to kind of differentiate them because they're all there for slightly different reasons. Maybe, maybe Donnie Darko, number one, then Mean Girls, then Paranormal Activity. But honestly, I think it it could really be any of them. And then also, I don't know. I maybe Mean Girls because it's just probably my favorite movie of the three, and therefore the fact that it had a crap sequel just disappoints yeah. me a bit but i don't know it could be as i say it could be any of them it's a it's a tr- tricky one to to nail down i mean i know for your ones for me saw would be top yeah. <laughs> so so from from my ones um zoolander is number three mainly because i can still watch zoolander so e- even yeah. even though zoolander 2 did take that away from me for a while I, I could now happily watch Zoolander again and just forget that Zoolander 2 happened. Second place is Toy Story 3, just because I do feel very strongly that that sequel was completely unnecessary, regardless of how good it was. Um, and I also, yeah, I can't... Toy Story 3 or the Toy Story trilogy was for me up there in perfect trilogies, and I don't think it is anymore because this sequel was tacked on to the end of it mainly now because it's not a trilogy it's four so it's automatically out of the running i like that it was it's now four because you didn't know what the four equivalent uh, a of a trilogy was so go fuck yourself there's no quadrology is it i don't know i'm just <laughs> fucking with you i'm not sure oh you and then number one yeah the, the number one is saw because not only did it have one sequel it had a fuckload and you can't watch Saw in the same way and it also has ruined Saw no. as again there's a lot of oh sorry I just did some mental maths there's going to be 16 year olds <laughs> who were born after Saw came out yeah oh fuck me but yeah there's going to be Saw was so good but people don't take that seriously anymore because of how bad the sequels were like it, it's like it's yeah, like I we've so. it's like we've lost one of the best horror movies released <laughs> because yeah. they just kept going for it. And it was... Yeah, and everyone just remembers the, like, you would describe, a f- like, if you're describing what happened in a Saw film, you don't say anything about the story. It's like, oh, no, it's the one where, you know, the person gets frozen to the pipes. 
Yeah, or- yeah. There's this, there's this guy on a block of ice, and there's these block of ice hammers, and he's hanging, and there's a guy and water and electricity. It's just, yeah, it, it's so... Saw film has become shorthand for a film Saw arguably isn't. Yeah. Which yeah, is just, think just so. a shame. So for me, that's the clear kind of number one. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it's... Um, yeah, I, d- I definitely, definitely feel the same way. Toy, the Toy Story 1... I struggle with just because I think Toy Story 4 is such a good film and like it doesn't so like a, a comparable it bring, it example the, it, it brings the average down though I don't know I think I prefer it to Toy Story 2 really? yeah huh. well we can all but, be wrong um, <laughs> <laughs> talking of like perfect trilogies that were ruined by a fourth movie like the one that really sticks out for me there is the Indiana Jones trilogy the less said about that the better we uh we watched last crusade the other day nice i i fucking we, we were it's like i think raiders is clearly the best film yeah last crusade is the most enjoyable last crusade just holds a special place for me because it was i don't know if you had this when you were a kid but the order of things and i think probably because we never had like netflix and stuff like you just watched what you could get your hands on or what you saw and you might not necessarily th- see things in the correct order. Yeah. And I just had The Last Crusade and it didn't have the other films and just watched it over and over again. And it just, that for me is like just my favourite indie film. Yeah, no, no I, because of that I had a very similar story where, especially out of order, whenever we went down to Wales, my granddad um, had a load of videos, but the ones we would watch were Temple of Doom, so Indiana Jones 2, and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so we would never watch the other films in the series. We would just watch those, like every time we went down. I love Temple of Doom, and I could I could no longer really tell you a lot about it. It's just a complete like nostalgic wall between yeah. me and everything else. No, in, in Indiana Jones, it would be it, it would be a, a very similar example to uh, yeah. Toy Story three, but with it being a dreadful film rather than a quite a good film. Yeah, no, I I, I I I went with Toy Story because I thought it was an, it was an interesting reminder for people <laughs> that yeah. even a good sequel can be completely unneeded um, because it, it's Pixar. Like they could have told that exact same story with other things. Like yeah. it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it it I, I, didn't yeah, need that. to be. And I mean, the Saw films are a perfect example of it. I'm not sure about Mean Girls two, so I will mention another shitty sequel which falls in that category as well, which is American Psycho two, because that exists. Yeah. <laughs> I would guess a lot of the Saw films and American Psycho two, I know for a fact, weren't written as sequels. They were written as standalone films that were then acquired by the studio and rejigged to fit into a series. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that happens. I mean, maybe it does, but I don't think that Mean Girls feels more like they just had a, they just wanted to do the same thing again with different people and worse writers. Yeah, but you could have. Yeah, but you you could do the opposite with that with Toy Story Four. <laughs> like it didn't it didn't need to be a Toy Story. It it felt like a story you could have said with other things. And yeah, I, perhaps. I feel like tacking it onto the end of the trilogy. Yeah, it just felt like it was a especially with how many different other kind of avenues of storytelling Toy Story has kind of opened up. But if it gets mm-hmm. into the top three, I will happily last minute change it to Indiana Jones and the Christmas Skull. <laughs> <laughs> just go back and do a re-record I'll go, I'll go mean, back did... I'll go back out just give me one moment Indiana Jones <laughs> Indiana Jones 3 
Indiana Jones 4. There we go. I'll go back and I'll edit those over. Like, I don't know how I'll get over yeah, the I don't stories. know how I'll get over Duke Kaboom, but I'll figure something out. Hey, there was uh, yeah, when when they nuked, nuked the fridge. Oh, yeah, was Duke a, uh, the, Duke Duke Kaboom, Nuke Kaboom, God, you if, know. If there's a fridge similar. If there's a fridge manufacturer called Duke, I'm in here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, my, yeah, my, my main thing with Toy Story was just completely unnecessary. Um Zoolander 2 was just shit and it was so shit it nearly seeped into the original and it was just yeah I would I would happily put I, I would put Mean Girls 2 above that just because at least Zoolander 2 had like Ben Stiller was still involved and you yeah. know they had they still had a bit of continuity so you know it was clearly a misstep but at least it was the same team having a misstep rather than in a studio just we're gonna do Mean Girls 2 you guys come here yeah so are we? Are we? But I'm thinking. I, I'm I'm rejigging slightly, and I'm actually going to push Donnie Darko. And the reason being is that Mean Girls two. I'm just thinking back to what you're saying about Zoolander. I don't think Mean Girls two ruins Mean Girls necessarily because I don't. Especially because you haven't watched it. Well, there is that. But also, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that probably don't even know it exists. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. No, that that that's fair. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko is is such a you know it's a, it's a real got a cult following and all of the to try and then like manufacture this mythology out of something that there was no hint you of did, in the first movie categorically did not write it to have a mythology no like, not at all or the fact that like yeah like Frank's face needs to start appearing in things well, and, and I guess stuff with with Mean Girls you could argue a sequel without the same cast could be done right so because it, it because it because yeah, it yeah. is school you could reasonably have a sequel of the year below them and you know tell a different story with that and whatever donnie darko there is no excuse for having a sequel to donnie darko it is very clearly a standalone film that i assume told the story it was trying to fuck knows what happened <laughs> but Again, chest wormhole things, water worms. I don't know. Yeah, Patrick Swayze Whatever was a pedophile in the film. In the film, <laughs> Patrick Swayze was a pedophile. Let's get that. I know he's dead, but someone could still sue. Do I cut this out? Um, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't got enough money for a lawyer. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think um, yeah, I, I would I would elevate Donnie Darko. Um, mean Girls for me is just is. A film I love, but I don't think it's necessarily ruined by any stretch of the imagination. Paranormal Activity, it doesn't need all the sequels. It's There are far too many. It should have been Paranormal Activity and done. And it is just a case of studios cashing in. But it's probably, it's a good film. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's probably not good enough a film to warrant being in the top three. Yeah. I would go um, Saw, Donnie Darko, Toy Story 3 begrudgingly because i really like toy story 4 yeah because the, the 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 thing with kind of sore and paranormal activity is i i think it happens with horror films right yeah, uh, th- there's friday the 13th the nightmare on elm street um halloween scream like they've all spawned hundreds of sequels well, halloween to the point where it's now backtracking on it all it's like no, we don't. Yeah. Nope, nope. There's only two. There's only two, and there's a third one coming out. But yeah. the the, prob- the problem with Saw for me, and it's um, even things like N- Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth aren't afflicted by this 
as such in that all the sequels are very either just carbon copies of the original set in the fucking future or set somewhere else you know space yeah it's all very by the numbers like it's not really fucking with the first film saw is the only one i can think of which well and and you know to go outside of horror the matrix is quite similar in that that they went so deep into a mythology that it's completely fucked with the original and that really pisses me off i i i'm I haven't watched the first Saw film in a while because because exactly of that. I watched, I think, the when I watched the, like, Saw the final chapter, I thought, oh, I'm going to watch Saw before this because that's the one Carrie Yules slash whatever slash Robin Hood and Men in Tights came back in. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it'll be, you know, it'll be a nice little kind of double bill. And I just watched Saw and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the icy grip of shit runs deep. But yeah. That's a metaphor. So our final top three then of films we wish didn't have a sequel so three toy story three yeah begrudgingly toy story three begrudgingly toy story three because toy story four is very good number two donnie zarko and then number one saw so if you agreed with us if you didn't agree with us uh you can find us on instagram at the podcast nobody asked for please tweet us at nobody asked for pod with the number four also rate us on uh apple podcast give us five stars it helps with algorithmy stuff which means we might appear on you know people's lists and stuff um because Be nice. yeah because the more people that listen to this the less we're going to pressure our friends to listen to this <laughs> make sure you're uh, keeping up with those November watch lists and voting for your films so we can uh, have another mini-sode at the end of the month are you are you going to sh- shave down to a moustache uh, no there is nothing creepier than a ginger moustache no one asked for this